Thanks for listening to the Word Alive podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching. For more resources, please download our app by typing W-A-I-O in your Play Store. This week's talk for the next few minutes, I want to talk to you again about the shofar, that the shofar is a spiritual weapon. The shofar is a spiritual weapon. Nehemiah 4 and 20 says, wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, the shofar, join us there and our God will fight for us. I love that scripture. Wherever you hear this sound, join us. Join us there and our God will fight for us. Now it doesn't take, hopefully it won't take me but five minutes to explain to you we're in a spiritual war. John 10, 10 says, The thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Touch two people say there's a war going on. What's the war about? It's darkness, death, and decrease versus light, life, and increase. Let me leave that up there a minute. Life, light, light, life, and increase or darkness, death, and decrease. Hell's got one plan, to kill, steal, and destroy. Darkness, death, and decrease. That's all hell's plan is, all it's ever been, all it ever will be, is to bring darkness, death, and decrease. Heaven's plan is nothing but light, life, and increase. It's a war, though. I told you last week, fortunately, if you were here, you heard it. If not, please revisit that the freedom, the sound of freedom that we, are, that we have as a weapon from the shofar came because of the work of Christ on the cross. He paid the price so that these powers would be destroyed so that we could live free. The deception they have is, or the power they have is the deception to make us believe they're more powerful than we are and to lie to us and speak things in our minds and build strongholds in our thinking that keeps us away from life, light, and increase. So won't you touch two or three more people and say, one, I'm going to be touching you a lot today, and two, get ready for life, light, and increase. Tell them. Ephesians 6, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. You got to get a hold of this. I don't have time to give you a full discourse, but there's, there's not just one heaven. There's the heaven you can see when you go outside at night. But then there's also a second and a third heaven that you can't see. And in these heavens, there's literally uh, structures. And, and when, the, when Satan fell and brought a third of the angels with him, there's demonic structures in the heavenlies that literally try to keep heaven, third heaven, from passing through into our atmosphere. If you don't believe me, read the book of Daniel. Daniel said, I heard God wanted to do something. I started praying, and as soon as I started praying, I prayed for 21 days. Finally, an angel showed up and said, I heard you the first day you prayed. But I had to engage with the prince of Persia in warfare to get here and get you the answer. So there's a spiritual war going on in the heavens. Yes, Jesus has already defeated them. That's why the angel can get through, but they're still there. Uh, 
illegally. This is the thought, I, if I could get it to you, because a lot of people say, well, if, they're, if their power is destroyed, how do they still function? They function illegally. It's like a robber has no right to come in your house and get your stuff. He has no right. He has no authority. It doesn't mean he doesn't have the, there's a different word for power and authority. It doesn't mean he didn't have the ability. He just doesn't have the right. And that's where we get messed up because the Bible says the enemy goes around seeking whom he may devour. The only way he can devour you is if you don't realize he's already been defeated and that you've got authority over it. Come on. Because you know if a robber comes to your house, he's going to meet the Word of God in a 9 millimeter, and he's not going to come in your house. Come on. Come on now. We took Jesus serious when he said, my peace I leave with you. <laughs> come on now. Come on. Come on. <laughs> we take this and the peace of God. You know what I'm talking about? You're going to get out of my house. But it's a spirit. I just, you get, you get that? It's not that they don't have, not that demons don't have ability. Oh, they're powerful beings. They just don't have the right. That's the revelation you got to get. And a lot of people don't even understand or believe in demons until they see one. And if you've not seen one, be encouraged. You will sooner or later. They're, 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 they're a real entity. It's a real deal. And I didn't know they were when I got started in this thing. I'd never seen any of that kind of stuff. And uh, I, 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 I was just brand new in the ministry. And I had my first counseling appointment. Young man came into my office and I said, what's your problem? He said, lust. I said, that's not a problem. I got my little ministerial handbook out and went to the L section Got pulled up lust there and read in the scriptures, and I was professional. I said, slip over here in this room with me. I'll just say a quick prayer for you, and we'll be done. We had an extra room beside me where the Royal Rangers, that's those, our little youth, the Royal Rangers, like Boy Scouts, flags around the wall and stuff. Walked into this guy. First mistake I made was I closed my eyes. Now I know what Jesus meant when he said, watch and pray. Don't ever pray with my eyes closed anymore. I'm watching and praying. I laid my hands on this guy with my eyes closed, and I heard the something. I opened my eyes. This a demon growling at me through this man. I was like, holy God. I mean, I'd read about it in the Bible, but I'd never seen one. And he came at me like, well, I didn't know what to do. I had no spiritual understanding, so I just form tackled him. Bam! <laughs> Flags flying all over our head and wrestling. I got away. He snarled at me. I went out, locked the door. I said, like, Whoo! I went in there. I told the lady that was my assistant, I said, Call 911. There's something crazy going on in there. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that in my life. Scared to be Jesus out of me. You know what I'm talking about? So I had to start studying this thing. 
I started, I had to say, wait a minute, there's, there's more to this stuff than, you know, this ain't, this ain't Hollywood, this ain't, this ain't fairy tale, this is a reality. So finally, somebody helped me and educated me and taught me and equipped me like we try to do here and got to know that I've got authority over those kind of things. And it was good news because about 30 days later, my, on my first assignment, I had another one. I was ready this time, though. Came in off the street, a, a witch in witchcraft. On assignment, came directly to me. Came for, in the uh, mise of counseling, but I'm sitting there with her. I'd already had that first encounter. So I did not close my eyes. I'm going to tell you that right now. I started talking to her. She curled up like an animal, back up against the wall with these long fingernails, like, and was about to come after me. Like, I, said, I had a Dake's Bible. Y'all know, y'all ever have a Dake? Dake antidoted or antidoted. How do you say it? Antidote. It's about that long, about that wide. It's a big Bible. I thought, I'll handle this. I grabbed that Dake Bible and I went, bam, I hit her right there between the head. She was like, slid right down that wall and said, now come out of her in Jesus' name. I was like, I, was like, I got me some wisdom up in here now. I'm not getting entangled with you again. I ain't doing that. I popped her right between the eyes of that date balance. That's why people don't ever come to me at counseling in this church. They won't see Dan, and I we don't want to see Ken. He's crazy. Granted, I've matured a bit since then. Not as afraid and what have you, but. My point, just to say it's a reality. And if you don't believe that, you're deceived already. That there are demonic entities. They look like flesh and blood. They look like family members. They look like people at work, look like friends. That's, but it says very clearly, you do not wrestle with flesh and blood. And see, what happens is we want to engage with flesh and blood, thinking it's flesh and blood. If you'll look behind it, it's not flesh and blood. It's an entity that's after to try to steal your decrease death and darkness. And so we got to realize that. we got to understand it. That's why spiritual warfare, spiritual weapons are important. Now, good news is God's given us spiritual weapons. He didn't call you to fight a spiritual war without spiritual weapons. Look at 2 Corinthians 10, 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now, let me just give you a few quick spiritual weapons that uh, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to engage with, with me in this to believe that this is a spiritual weapon. How about this one? 2 Chronicles 20, 20. Now, when they began to sing and praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushes against the enemy. What a lot of people don't realize is when you come in here on Sunday morning and, and, we're, and we're getting into praise and worship, it's actually an art of warfare. And so, uh, I, I mean, there's times I come in and I'm pastor. And I'm oppressed. So I know you got to be. Come on. I don't feel like lifting my hands. But I know if I do, something will snap off of me and break off of me. It's a war, It's a weapon. That's why it didn't say, I feel like praising the Lord. It said, I will praise the Lord. It didn't say, I feel like, you know, it didn't say, I feel like lifting my hands. It says, I will lift my hands, right? It's an act of will. It's not, not whether the music's good or not. 
It's an act of will. That's because it's a weapon of war. Praise and worship is a weapon of war. I read this morning, Psalm 47, said, Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. That's a spiritual weapon. There's been times I've been praying for myself and others and just clap my and something will happen, something will break. That word clap is the same word for trumpet. Psalm 47, look at it. Same word to strike. Try it. I'll just be walking around my house. I'll say, hey! Just release something in the atmosphere. Right? Why do you think somebody needs to wake up there? Hey, hey! Strike it. It's a spiritual war. It's a spirit. Don't impress me putting that scripture up that quick now back here. Come on now. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Isn't it interesting? It's a spiritual weapon. God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, you see. Let me get through this quick. Joshua 6, 7, then all the people shall shout. Somebody say shout. shout. With a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down. How about this one? Exodus 14, stand still. <laughs> huh? Stand still, that's a weapon. All of a sudden, you get bad news. All of a sudden, fear starts grabbing a hold of you. All of a sudden, your, your family gets in an uproar. What do you do? Just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. God, it's a good one, isn't it? How about this one, 1 Timothy 1.18? Use the prophecies previously made concerning you that by them you may wage a good warfare. In other words, take, take the prophecies, take the promises that's been spoken in your life and speak them out into the atmosphere. How about this one, Romans 12, 21? Do not be overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. What a weapon. Somebody curses you, you bless them. Somebody does you wrong, you do them right. Somebody talks bad about you, you talk good about them. That's a weapon. That's a weapon. That God will use in our lives to overcome evil with good. Touch two or three, four people around and tell Pick up your weapons. Tell them, pick up your weapons. Pick up your weapons. That, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't give you the rest of that Ephesians 6, but it goes on after it talks about Prince Pilate. It says, put on your armor. Put on your armor. Make sure you put your armor on so you're ready, ready for these wars. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the Spirit. Shoes of peace, shield of faith. These are all spiritual weapons that God has, God has given us. But it, can, can we just pause a minute? Isn't it true, though, we all get deceived into thinking it's flesh and blood? That we're wrestling with personalities. We're not wrestling with personalities. You're wrestling with principalities. And we understand that and realize it. we can go after it a different way. Now, here's a story I'll get to and we'll end in just a minute. This is where this thing came into play in the Bible as a, as a weapon. This show far. So it was, whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel. This is found in Jude, Judges 6. Gideon, 
a man called by God to, to be a part of Israel's history. It says every year that they had sown, when harvest came, the Midianites would come to eat up their harvest. How many of you in here could testify, it seems like every time you're about to get a breakthrough, something tries to push you back. Every, every, time, you, every time you get a little savings ahead or get a little, little financial breakthrough, all of a sudden the appliance devil comes your way. You know what I'm talking about? Every time you get a little, all of a sudden something raises up its head. You know, all, it, it, every, every, you've sown, you've prayed, you, but all of a sudden you feel like, man, it's about to happen. And something. What is that? I believe it's a demonic entity. Because if you've done what's appropriate to do and you've not got the appropriate results, something is hindering you. This is what was happening to Israel. It said every year that they had sown and were getting ready to walk into their, their harvest or their abundance that God had planned for them, the Midianites would come and they would destroy their produce, their harvest, basically. So Gideon was hiding in a wine press. Now, I love this about God. Here's a guy hiding from the Midianites in a wine press. Maybe in drinking. <laughs> he's, he's, he was in a wine press. So, hiding, and the Lord shows up and says, Hey, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. He, I, I might have thought Gideon was like, Who are you talking to? Right? I'm hiding in a wine press. Threshing wheat. You don't thresh wheat in a wine press. You crush grapes. He was so afraid he took the little bit he had left and was trying to make do of it, hiding. Boy, if that's not a picture of a lot of people in the church, instead of standing up and fighting for what God's given you, you take the little bit you got and you just hiding it somewhere trying to get by on just enough, not believing that God has destined you to have life and have it more abundantly. Come on, somebody. Touch three people, say, I ain't living in the wine press anymore. Tell them, I ain't living in the wine press anymore. He called old Gideon out of that wine press and gave him some instructions. He says, here's what, what, what you do. Now, I don't have all this. It's a long story, so you trust me, read it. It's Judges 6 and 7. He starts out with 30,000 men to go fight them. 30,000, that's a big army. God gives him a weird instruction. He said, send them to the creek. Tell them to drink. And the ones that drink like this, those are the ones you need to take with you. The ones that just dive in and drink like that, don't take them with you. Now, there's a lot of things we could preach about that. Don't, you know, who knows exactly what, 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 what the detail was. But I know for me personally, I've experienced it. Some people just get lost in the river. They won't ever meet to be about them. What can I? But then there's some people, they know we're on mission. They know, they taste of the river. They like it just like air. But don't take their eyes off the purpose of what God's called us to do. It ain't about me. It's about what we're called to do. Oh, I get blessed. I drink from the river. I float in the river. I Enjoy the river. I enjoy the spirit, but not taking my eyes off the purpose of what God's called me to do. And it says they narrowed them from 30,000 to 300 to go against the Midianites. 
Look what God told him to do. It says, Then he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet in every man's hand. 300 men, and he says he put a shofar. That's your translation. He put a shofar into every man's hand and sent them with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. And said when Gideon said, when I blow the trumpets, you blow your trumpets on every side of the camp and say, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. What an instruction. Got a whole crew of Midianites that's been stealing your stuff every year. God narrows you from 30,000 to 300 and sends you into a battle with a ram's horn and a torch. Against a massive army of Midianites. Now, I don't know about you, but that fires me up. Obviously, you're not as fired up as I am, but that's all right. I, I got a whole other service of people to talk to that might get fired up. Somebody will get fired up about this today. To know that this horn in my hand is not just some uh, traditional nonsense, but it's actually a weapon in our hands to do spiritual warfare with. And if you'll listen to God and obey God with it, God could do something. God could defeat your enemies this year, and you could slip into this year and live a whole nother life than you did last year if you just. Put a trumpet in every man's hand. And a clay, these, these pots were clay, and they had torches inside them with light. To me, that speaks of brokenness, humility. It says, when you get there, surround them, blow these 300, and then, bam, break those pictures and let the light shine. So Gideon and the hundred, and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp, and they blew the trumpets and broke the pictures that were in their hands, and they cried, the sword of the Lord in Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp, and the whole army ran and cried out and fled. With 300 of these blowing, crack and some crack pots. Come on now. I just got that one. 300 crack pots with a horn. Come on, somebody. I just changed the title of my message. 300 crack pots and a horn. Come on, somebody. Thank you, Lord. 300 crack pots with a shofar. Come on, going against the devil. Blew the, and a whole army fled before them. Now, you know what's interesting? Anybody ever been to a New Year's Eve party? You ever throw them the, what do you call those things? Those little things that the, has a little paper that goes, huh? Gazoo. Is that what you call them? Whatever they are, the thing that rolls out. Do you know where that tradition came from? Hebrews. The Hebrew wisdom. All that noise on the 31st of December, you know where that came from? Ancient Hebrew wisdom. They believed if you made enough noise before you slipped into another year, you would confuse the enemy and devils couldn't slip over into a new year with you. That's ancient Hebrew wisdom. And that culture now of all that noise, 
on the 31st is come from ancient Hebrew wisdom. They always believed if you made enough noise, that's why on the on Rosh Hashanah, that's why they used to, you're supposed to blow this a hundred times on Rosh Hashanah. Because they believe that this noise confuses the enemy and its plans and allows you to slip into a new year and leave a lot of things behind. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to slip into a new season and leave some things behind in the old season. Anybody? Got this email this week. Eastern North Carolina. Lady named Beth. She says, we've been blowing the shofar over here on the Eastern North Carolina with you. They watch online. I just want to testify, she said. We started with you on day one, blowing the shofar. I've been praying for my husband for 27 years. For 27 years. And I want to testify, on August 27th, he got saved and baptized. Come on, somebody. Oh, come on, somebody. I said, come on, somebody. Now, was it coincidence that for 27 years she's been praying for her husband and all of a sudden she starts ripping this shofar in her house and on August 27th, the same guy she's been praying for for 27 years gets saved and back. You think that's coincidence? I don't think so. I think she blew a demon off his mind, what I think's happened, and he saw the light. Because 2 Corinthians 4 says the enemy blinds those lest they see the glorious gospel in the face of Christ. Come on. I don't believe it coincidence. I believe it's a reality. So check this scripture out. Numbers 10, 9. When you go to war in your land against the enemy who oppresses you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets. That's what these are. Watch this. And you will be remembered before the Lord your God, and you will be saved from your enemies. What a promise. When you go to war in your land against the enemies that oppress you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets. You shall be remembered before the Lord your God, and you shall be saved from your enemies. I believe that as we release this sound today, all this week, with the revelation, it's a weapon of war. We release this sound, reminding us of the victory of Christ, reminding us of God's power, reminding us of God's grace. We're sounding an alarm, which does two things. It attracts angels. By the way, I wanted to pause worship while I go and tell you this. When we were singing, heaven, you know, let heaven come. Some of you, were, were, you know, probably don't understand because you, have, you don't understand heaven. To say let heaven come, we're not, we're not talking about, you know, this like afterlife. When we're saying let heaven come, we're talking about angels. We're talking about great cloud of witness. We're talking about uh, spiritual beings. We're talking about uh, power. 
We're talking about uh, presence. We're talking about the atmosphere of heaven. We're talking about the atmosphere of heaven where there's no sickness, there's no divorce, there's no disease. We're talking about the atmosphere of heaven. That When that atmosphere of heaven gets into the atmosphere of earth, earth begins to come, become like heaven. Heaven doesn't become like earth. When heaven, when heaven invades earth, the atmosphere on earth begins to change wherever heaven intervenes at. And so when we're singing let heaven come, we're not just talking about a, a, a mystical thing. We're saying let the angels show up. The Lord told us build it and they will come. That's not talking about us, that's talking about them. And I believe in this season, God's releasing angelic beings. God's releasing spiritual beings into our midst. God's releasing, releasing spiritual help from heaven. There's supernatural encounters coming our way in this season. And it's because they're being attracted to some faith in our, in our territory because there's some radical people that have, de- that have decided we're so hungry for heaven to invade earth. We're willing to clap our hands, shout to the Lord, blow the shofar, and we're saying, Lord, Lord, come fill our atmosphere in this territory with the sound of heaven and with the power of heaven and with the light of heaven and the glory of heaven and the grace of heaven. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done right here on this earth as it's being done in heaven. Let it be so. Let it be done. Let it come now. Let it manifest in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message. If you are blessed by this message, you can give by visiting waio.org or by downloading the Wayo app and selecting Give. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel. Thanks.